Welcome to the Staying Golden podcast, where you can catch a glimpse of the journey after Laurie through interview sessions with Laurie alumni. We would like to acknowledge that Wilfrid Laurie University and its campuses are located on the shared traditional territory of the Neutral, Anishinaabe, and Haudenosaunee peoples. Welcome to another episode of the Staying Golden podcast. I am your host, Ironfra Irony, and today I have with me John Talentino, who is an up-and-coming social worker, researcher, and educator. He acquired his university teaching certificate from Laurier in 2020, and then he completed his master's of social work at Laurier also in 2020, where he received the Laurier Student Teaching Award of Excellence. Currently, he has a dual license working in a hospital setting and private practice. It's such a pleasure to have you here today, John. How are you doing? I, I am so honored to be on this podcast. I am doing well, and I'm excited about this conversation, and thank you for having me. And also, by the way, thank you for that introduction. I really feel so humbled, and I always get really shy when people talk about my achievements and whatnot. And I just want to acknowledge that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my family, my friends, my mentors, and my professors. And so, you know, this this was definitely a team effort. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm also super excited for the conversation. You know, you're the first guest of this new season. Jumping right into the questions, the one question that I really had mm-hmm. on my mind for you was, what inspired you to pursue a career in social work? That's a great question. So growing up, my mom really taught me about the essence of life and helping others. And ever since I was, you know, a child, I knew how I could be of service to others. And, you know, whether that was in the home or whether that was in community, it was something that was instilled within me um, from a young age. And so it was almost like a calling for me to do something in the helping field. And I decided to do social work because I realized that it was a very flexible and very adaptable career. And um, I really thought that, you know, I could elevate um, some of the training that I had done in undergraduate in my undergraduate degree and to sort of supplement my work uh, you know as a, as a as a master's degree holder if you will and um so i would say that's like the personal and then the professional i'm also very passionate about social justice racial justice queer justice and i found that in social work that was something that i was able to speak out on and try to enact uh, small hopes of change here and there. So that's the short answer, if you will. I can clearly tell that you're passionate about what you do. And so just a follow-up question there is like, what is your favorite part about what you do? Like what part of this journey gives you the most fulfillment? Yeah. This is such a deep question um, and such a great question. I would say for me, like representation is something that matters. And um, I think that having people who look like me, who talk like me was something that was very 
um, essential and just needed. And so for me, I would say that, you know, a part of it was to make sure that um, for underrepresented groups, especially marginalized groups, with being both like a BIPOC and a queer person, I thought that it was just really um, essential for me to do that and to, and to be able to kind of, you know, uh, throw myself um, into this program and, and sort of just inspire, if you will, and encourage others to join in and to, um, you know, say that maybe because I didn't see people that look like me or like that talk like me, that that didn't mean that I couldn't also like do good work. And so um, I would say that that was, you know, um, something that really resonated with me. But also more than anything, I think one of my favorite parts about my job is just to be a witness, to bear witness to people's stories to you know walk alongside of them and to you know maybe support and show care and uh, i know that's quite broad but really i think at the essence of it all my favorite part is building those like relationships and so you know so much of my practice is really is really rooted in that uh, relationality if you will yeah, definitely. That sounds so heartwarming. You know, the importance mm. of relationships and community should never be underemphasized. Mm. Uh, so I know that you noted that you did your undergrad in psychology. Yes. So you know, wondering how you transitioned mm-hmm. from, you know, an undergrad in psychology to a master's in social work. Like, how was that transition for you? Yeah, so um, I would say that the transition was um, tumultuous, if you will. Um, I think because I had realized that at the end of my undergraduate learning, so many of the theorists, so many of um, the people that I, you know, was reading about um, were from like a you know, Eurocentric perspectives and definitely had like more like Western like ideology. But um, what I'm trying to say is that there were, the, the psychology degree was very much like rooted in that traditionalist perspective. And I think that with social work, um, because it's a field that is constantly changing, um, it allowed me to look at other theorists that, w- that didn't belong to the West and um, and so when I when I think about my transition from psychology to social work, it was a no brainer um, because also I had a counseling minor, and so with that I was able to really have an intersectional perspective uh, going into the master's degree, and um, I knew that with Laurier especially and what they stood up for and sort of their values, their morals that. Uh, that's the school that I wanted to go to. And, um, you know, I, I think the combination of the degree and then also the experience in the field um, really benefited me. And it was just such a blessing to be able to get accepted because if I can be honest, originally when I applied, I was like, I'm just going to apply for fun and see what happens. And, you know, if I get in, I get in. And if I don't get in, then so be it. You know what I mean? 
And so um, I was very surprised when I did get accepted and uh, obviously very, very humbled. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I think that also the field of psychology and the field of social work are very interrelated and there's so many um, intertwining uh, theories and practices, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I see where you're coming from. And just kind of following up on the direction you were already going in, I noticed mm. that you completed most of like your um, education in British Columbia. Yes. And then you decided to pursue your master's at Wilfrid Laurie all the yes. way in Ontario. So yes. can you give us like a reasoning behind this. Like, why did you come all the way to Ontario for this degree? Yeah, so um, I love to travel. I would consider myself to be third culture kid. I was born and raised in Italy and I came to Canada when I was 10 years old and lived in Vancouver. So I just really thought that it, it was time for a change. And, you know, having completed uh, my college education here, like in Vancouver at Langara and then Simon Fraser, I thought that I could you know apply in a different province and see a bit of the world and maybe also see how you know theories and practices are influenced in different like regions of Canada or so-called Canada and um to be quite frank I also thought that I had the best chance at applying to you know schools like Laurie and um you know U of T and all those other ones and so you know my reasoning behind it was yes because of the strong teaching component at Laurie but then also the opportunity to travel unfortunately with COVID <laughs> I ended up doing most of the degree online remotely but nevertheless I was still able to fortunately build those relationships with you know my colleagues now that are in the field yeah that definitely makes sense um as an international student I could definitely relate to the um the one to just travel and just be mm -hmm. away from everything that you're already familiar with even though it's kind mm -hmm. of daunting at first but the experience really is worth it at the end of the day mm -hmm. During your time at Laurier, I know that you volunteered mm -hmm. with the um, Laurier's Equity Committee. And yes. then, um You were also a graduate teaching assistant. So I'll say that you were yes. very well engaged in the community. <laughs> so um, what was that experience like for you? And how would you say mm. that has shaped your journey so far, even after mm. graduation? You know, one of the things that... Um, really I was thinking about what as you were speaking is my um, family's advice and particularly I talked about my mom who said that when you go for your education make the most out of your experience and you know given that I did have some scholarships and bursaries but also student loans I just had this idea that if I was going to throw myself into more schooling that I would get involved with politics but also with serving and volunteering and you know just extract what I needed to extract out of the uh degree and you know with Lori and with the MSW they had the online program but I was adamant that I wanted to be in person as a student I am uh, so much more engaged like in person when I talk to professors uh and um I feel that I learn more when I also um 
surrounded by others that are not in my field. And so, you know, being part of the equity committee and talking to others that were in the field of education, in the field of music therapy, for example, really helped to like broaden my knowledges. And um, with uh, my teaching assistantship, that um, was also just an additional um, supplementary income. Uh, But more importantly, because I had such a great working relationship with my thesis advisor, um, she was the one who pushed me to actually teach. And um, I cannot say enough great things about my mentor, Dr. Anyo. Dr. Anyo is one of the most phenomenal faculty members. And um, if it wasn't for her, you know, gently uh, motivating me to be engaged, um, I I wouldn't have been able to accomplish uh, you know, the, the changes, the small changes that we did with the equity committee, or when I was modeling, if you will, for the undergraduate students for practice that is post-colonial, anti-colonial, decolonial. But really, I think I, I just wanted to be as well-rounded as possible. Mm-hmm, definitely. It's always like a great idea to stay engaged with the community because, you know, those relationships that you build then always come in handy um, later on in future you never know how that's going to come about so yeah that's great yeah so before you started your master's degree at Laurie mm-hmm. I noticed that you had some you know work experience in the field yes. and yeah I was just wondering how that transition was for you from you know the professional workspace to mm-hmm. the academic world again like how did you handle this transition yeah so um well, I started and I'm still working for Rain City Housing and Support Society and um, very grateful to have done so much of my learning from people that have lived experiences in addictions, mental health, houselessness, um, and uh, yeah, just like lots of barriers um, to life. And, and, I, and I think that... Um, being in this nonprofit after my bachelor's really gave me an eye-opening experience into how I want to do this work. And so much of my learning was through also Indigenous like elders and sex workers and people with just different living experiences. And so um, taking these stories and sharing them and amplifying them in social work spaces, such as like the classroom was of the utmost significance. And um, I would say that uh, it really just taught me about perseverance. It taught me about, um, you know, how to approach conversations in a much more personal versus professional way. And um, and so with that, I uh, made sure that a lot of the courses that I chose sort of like reflected specialization so I could further um, propel myself in a way that would continue the work in um, the public sector. So you mentioned uh, getting a job at the hospital, which I'm very excited about because 
I know that folks sometimes, you know, do struggle with um, be, like liaising. And so I think for me to be able to have some insight and to be able to work from there, it's going to be, it, it was just a good fit, if you will. And then the private practice, I think, came from the idea earlier to talk about how representation is of also incredible importance. And so to me, it was important that when I did my practicums at Lurie, that I was at clinics um, where there were more like BIPOC people um, who were queer oriented. And now I'm very honored to be working with a director who shares those identities. And not that everything has to be about identity politics, but certainly when you have similar living experiences, your values and your morals and your beliefs align, right? And so um, I think that uh, that's sort of like the natural progression of like the career. Honestly, I'm just happy to have found a job. Like after I graduated, I was like, I'm happy to take any jobs, like as a research assistant, as a teaching assistant, you know, start paying off my student loans and whatnot. And you're kind of already answering my next question, which was like, mm. you know, how did you land your first role after graduation? Um, you know, what were the key things you did to land this role? Mm. And, you know, just anything that could help anyone that is just graduating, um, mm. you know, land a role in the industry. Yeah. So, you know, when we were talking about connections earlier, like I strongly detest the word networking. I prefer authentic, genuine connections. And so to any, you know, graduate students right now that are looking to go into the industry and that are listening, I would say that building those connections with professors and mentors and graduates who are maybe two to three years ahead, um, I would say is something that really helps me. And so with the uh, private practice job, I was able to land that because I was in community and I was talking and positioning myself in a way that would allow me to, you know, transition. And then with the uh, public, um, you know, job at the hospital, um, I had done some previous volunteering there and also a safe injection site through my work um, was already affiliated and strongly connected. And so, um, I would say that if you're going to do cold calls, if you will, um, just making sure that your resume and that your cover letter is really tailored to that specific uh, job. Uh, that might be quite general, but I would say that, um, you know, that that's how I would uh, answer this question. And it doesn't hurt to also go on LinkedIn and to be able to, you know, send a private message or a direct message to people that are in that field, maybe ask them out for coffee or for tea or for lunch and just ask like who it is that they can talk to. Um, and yeah, I cannot stress enough the importance of going to conferences, um, even if they're virtual conferences or symposiums, um, making sure that, you know, you are having those real and raw conversations about interests because I really think that that's where the magic happens. Like, I really truly do believe that um, that's how I was able to, you know, find, find these two jobs. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely taking notes of everything you said. And I really hope everyone else listening is doing the same because I feel like you dropped so many important tips right now. The last question I have for you is one question that I hope to ask alumni for the rest of this season. And it is, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would you say? Ooh, this is such a great question. If I could give myself advice to my younger self, I would tell myself to be more present. I would tell myself to be more in the moment and that the essay will get done, the thesis will get done, and that, you know, stressing about the future isn't going to help. So whether that means just shutting off the laptop or going for like a walk, calling a friend, calling a family member, just to check in and to really come back into your body and to ground yourself, I think is uh, some advice that I would give to my younger self and to myself now, because I think that that is applicable and not just like in hindsight, but in foresight too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely great advice. So we've officially come to the end of the so fast. Yeah, it went by <laughs> so fast. Um, so I was just wondering mm. if anyone listening wants to contact you, what would be the best way to reach you? Yes, of course. So I am going to be launching my website soon, which is www.johntolentino.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopefully that will be live in November. And so you can reach me there and uh, you can also reach me on my LinkedIn uh, at John Tolentino94 and then also my Twitter, uh, John Tolentino94, where I talk about everything from research to practice to, you know, advocacy and community work and activism. All right. Thank you so much, John, for joining me today. It was really nice having this conversation with you. It was such a pleasure. And I hope that that all of the listeners that are listening in um, are able to extract something out of all the (laughs) gibberish that I've uh, talked here. (laughs) Definitely. I'm sure we learned so much today from you. All right. Thank you so much to everyone that joined in and see you guys on the next episode. Bye.